Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Ray Taylor and Kent Aldrich. Welcome, guys. Hello. Uh, And we are kind of continuing this journey into Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews, man, as we're reading Hebrews, it's just kind of like this is... There's a lot to chew on in short little pieces of Hebrews. I mean, we, we've we read some long stories in Acts where it's like, okay, this is pretty straightforward. But you read Hebrews and you're like, man, I think I want to think about that for a second. Um, so as we read, today we're reading Hebrews 4, uh, basically through Hebrews 8. There is a ton in there. There's a lot about Melchizedek. One thing we're not going to do a ton is do like a deep dive into who Melchizedek is. There's a lot of thoughts about this out there. Uh, Just a brief overview, Melchizedek is a figure that we can find in Genesis 14, verses 17 to 24. Uh, He kind of shows up out of nowhere. Um, He blesses Abraham, Abraham blesses him, and he disappears. Um, So there's a lot of kind of mystical thoughts on who this guy is, why this guy's included in there. There's a very high value placed on him because there's a very high value placed on Abraham. So anybody that shows up out of nowhere to bless Abraham and... It's it's really intriguing, um, but we're not gonna die. We're not gonna do a deep dive into who he is. What we are gonna do is just talk about what is sticking out to us in the passage, particularly as it relates to Jesus. I think. So, what do you guys? We want to touch on in this thing. Well, um, I just noticed. I love in Hebrews five verse two. It says, "And he's able to deal gently with the with ignorant and wayward people, because he himself is subject to the same weakness." Uh, I'm actually reading a book right now and it's diving into some of the character and heart of Jesus. It's really amazing. Mm. But one of the things the author touched on was how the Old Testament really talks about two types of sin. The sin that we do intentionally, so the the wayward sin, and then the ignorant sin, the sins that we don't even think about. We touch something that's unholy and all of a sudden we have sinned. Mm. And how those are two different things. But the author of the book that I'm reading was showing how the author of Hebrews is really making a point here that nobody is outside of Jesus's ability to deal gently with. There's no sin. There's no, there's nothing that you can do that will take you outside of that. Um, A lot of times we as Christians kind of think, well, if if you cross that line, Jesus doesn't deal gently with you anymore. Like he's going to be harsh. You know, you get fire eyes, Jesus. And the author was like, no, this, the language here really does say, Nobody is outside of this. Everybody, if they come to Jesus, can be dealt gently with. Hmm. That's good. That's good, man. I was just thinking the um, my wife and I were watching this show, it was a reality show, and it was it was actually pretty powerful. Um, oh gosh, coming out, Colton. You guys heard of that? No. Um, so it's about this. I think he was a football player. He was on The Bachelor, and he's coming out as gay and he's also has this desire to follow christ to know christ more and you could just see this intense seeking after the lord that was just very convicting to me in and of itself as i was watching and so as you were talking it it made me think about my wife and our conversation we were touching on like okay if the reality of the sins that christians point at other people for Christian or non-Christian are mainly the homosexuality, the abortion, 
or anything primarily outward that the world can easily see or your neighbor could easily see. Or if you're in a store, if you're in the church, you could easily point out that. Um, but to see Jesus in the, the perspective of, as you're saying, he can't pinpoint certain sins and put someone else further along in the race or being acceptable or mm. worthy of this gentle um, dealing with versus another. But we see it because we're seeing it literally. Um, and it just kind of really watching that really convicted um, my soul in, in like, how do you actually walk with someone and deal with them with cold heart truth, but unending grace at the same time. And I think Jesus probably in his perfection, obviously, but deals with it a lot better than what we do. And we, we should probably strive to more towards, not necessarily the pointing out, but seeking to see how Jesus, his perfection, like mm. deals with us and then how does he deal with those people other people first i mean after that after that you know yeah i actually i love that the one of my one of my profs at college uh, has this thing that she says whenever somebody asks her about a specific sin or something like that and they're getting a little judgmental she will just shoot back to them i want you to think about this if somebody was became a Christian very young in life, you know, five, six, seven, something like that. And they're 18 now and sitting in this auditorium. Most of the sin they've committed in their life has been as a Christian. And she's like, I want you to think about that for a second, because you want to go out there and you want to blast the sinners in the world Mm. because of what they're doing. That's good. But think about the fact that you've known Christ and you're still sinning and like, don't judge at, be truthful. Like you said, you know, be truthful, be careful. Be loving in that truth, but also remember that <laughs> Christians are sometimes some of the more messed up people in the world. Mm, that's good. Yeah, there's good. there's a lot of need for just encouragement and growth within the Christian community. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we do start to get into a lot of trouble when we think that kind of encouragement for growth is for the non-believing community. It's like, you, they don't believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they live according to his mm-hmm. teachings? Like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I I like how uh you're pointing out like the the perfection of Jesus mm-hmm. and just like the the incredible way with which he chooses to deal with things mm-hmm. through his perfection because that's that's really what's being communicated through the passage, I think. That that like hey, you you know and this is this is what's going on in Hebrews. In Hebrews, the author is saying, "Hey, we know this Jewish system of belief and Jesus is similar to this Jewish system of belief, and yet he's so much better. Mm-hmm. And so when when the author is talking about this high order, this high priest of Melchizedek, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, you guys are aware of high priests, but Jesus is a high priest. It's mm-hmm. nothing like any other high priest. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is not coming to bring this religious system mm-hmm. um, that that dies and needs somebody else to raise up and somebody else to carry it out. Jesus, who knows death and has conquered it, he reigns as a priest forever. Mm-hmm. And so as we worship and follow um, Jesus, we worship and follow a high priest that has no end. We worship mm-hmm. and follow a, a king and a leader whose representation never ends. Mm-hmm. 
And so his, his love for us, his ability to represent us as a high priest, it continues forever. We enjoy his uh, leadership and direction forever. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's mm. like it, but it's not like it. Mm. So it's like, well, you guys have seen high priests, but Jesus, let me tell you about Jesus. He is the best high priest you'll ever have in your life. Um, it, it's, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Uh, and the need for us just to continue to be connected to Christ as our chief mediator, the, the one that is uh, interceding on our behalf before the Father um, for the forgive, forgiveness of our sins mm-hmm. so that we can follow him and worship him and enjoy him. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I feel like that would change the the approach. Yeah. Like what, what it yeah. looks like. Because I don't think Jesus, like in the Great Commission, like we're, we're commanded to go and he kind of makes disciples. We baptize them, et cetera, et cetera. And like when that is happening well, I think the disciple making produces disciples and those disciples are constantly following mm-hmm. which in turn is kind of like that's what a disciple is and so if i'm following like this guy on this reality show yeah i was like yeah. he's 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 re- like i almost cried because he's he was sincerely cry- like trying to just figure out what a life in christ meant with these feelings yeah and i was like and i saw jesus and this really is a great revelation because I was like, man, like, how, what if he was condemned by a person that didn't know he was actually trying to find out if I'm really living in sin because yeah. I don't want to? And then Jesus says, like, he he knows our weaknesses because mm-hmm. he's experienced it all. Yeah. It's like, maybe, maybe our the grace is, like, understanding as if we were going through the same thing that person is going through. Like you were saying, like mm-hmm. all these years I'm actually struggling with pride or pornography and no, but nobody knows, mm-hmm. but this guy, everybody knows. But if I saw Jesus as the forgiveness of my sins, it would, it would kind of change the way that I approach this out, out and about mm-hmm. outward, outward sinning, mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. you will. So anyways, yeah, it's really cool. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I had somebody one time challenge me. Um, what was the conversation about? I forget exactly how the conver- it came up in conversation, but he, he essentially, um, he said, do you trust the sacrifice of Christ enough? And do you trust his resurrection enough to believe that he has power over sin? And it kind of mm-hmm. ties in this whole conversation. And even when you're relating to somebody who's, either a Christian and trying to, you know, find out what is sin and like, like the guy on the reality show, or if they're not a Christian, like, do you cr- trust Christ's sacrifice enough for this person for, person. for their, wow. for what they're doing? Or, like, cause I think a lot of times our actions say that we don't, wow. we, we go out there and we're screaming at people and shall we say not living a very Christ like life at times, whenever somebody is doing something we don't like. And it's, do we actually trust that enough? And it's an honest question Christians need to ask themselves. Do you trust the sacrifice of Christ on the cross enough and his resurrection? That's intense. That is, man. Write that down. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to school today. Uh, Yeah, man. (laughs) 
All right, guys. Hey, that's that's Hebrews four to eight. Um, I, I would encourage you actually as we go through Hebrews because of the uh, because of the depth of what's going on in these passages. This is, this is a great passage to make sure if you don't normally stick around, and listen to the the reading. Stick around and listen to this reading. Uh, make a point today to actually go back and read it for yourself. Like, what is going on in Hebrews four to eight? What can we take out of this? Because there's uh, Kent was joking about this earlier, but there's there's so much depth you can do in these passages in Hebrews that it's definitely worth rereading and rethinking and just, just kind of stewing on like what's going on in Hebrews and what can we, what can we learn about Christ through it? So we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll see you later. Bye see you guys. See you. Hebrews four, starting in verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he's able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people, because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for our sins as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death, and God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's Son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all of those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop, For the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. 
Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it, and without any question that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the, through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our great eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God most high. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a high priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Now, consider, <laughs> consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests, who are descendants of Levi, must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are also descendants of Abraham. Now Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. Priests who collect tithes are men who die, so Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are, we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the ones who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although, for although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. So if the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood 
with a priest in the order of, of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron. And if the priesthood is changed, the law must be must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we are talking about belongs to a different tribe, whose members have never served at the altar as priests. What I mean is our Lord came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe. This change has been made very clear since a different priest, who is like Melchizedek, has appeared. Jesus became a high priest not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist pointed, pointed this out when he prophesied, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law never made anything perfect, but now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. This new system established a, with a solemn oath, Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath. But there was an oath regarding Jesus, for God said to him, The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once and for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son has been made the priest, the perfect high priest forever. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.